Hey guys, Post Adam here uh, with some bad news. Uh, as always, I like to make sure that the audio for every episode is 100% perfect as much as I can do. Uh, every episode I always try to improve and make it sure everything is um, the best of my abilities so that you guys can enjoy it to the fullest. Um, this week we had some issues with the audio. One of our cast members decided to do their uh, recording without uh, headphones. So all their audio bled back into the recording. Uh, we all record our own audio just to make sure that we can get the best quality. And um, as a result, a lot of it bled into um, what would be the final recording. I can't actually get a lot of it out without cutting out a lot of important uh, dialogue. I'm very sorry this happened. I promise it will not happen again. Um, in short, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And here's episode 13. Hey everybody, welcome to the ZI Podcast, this is episode 13, and as always, I'm your host Adam. This week I'm joined by... Daniel Rovaljantz, the editor-in-chief of Zelda Informer. We call him the boss. The boss. <laughs> and we got me, Justin. Um, I write things and you read them. <laughs> we call him Speedy. Oh yeah, yeah, gotta go fast. And my name is uh, Paul Grislak. I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. I'm a new copy editor for Zelda Informer, and I absolutely hated The Dark Knight Rises. And he also hates his nickname, but we love him. We're happy to have him. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. That <laughs> in. I just knew it. His nickname is Greg. <laughs> okay, let me explain that really quick. The reason his nickname is Greg is because he's a very nice guy, and so I give him the nickname Nice Guy Greg. Now I remember that. Yeah. yeah, see, now it all, all comes together. Time. Yeah, that's probably the most now simple I'm just nickname. Gonna I'm just going to pretend like I know what you're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we had some fan topics this week. We have some news this week. Uh, before we get into that, I want to remind everyone, uh, thank you for um, emailing in and writing in about the questions that I asked last week about Smash characters and uh, Mario Kart. A lot of you wrote in. Some of you said that you preferred... Uh, Super uh, Sonic and All-Stars Racing transformed like I did, and some of you said that you preferred Mario Kart and you love it, and I'm glad that you took the time to talk to me. And I responded to your emails, hopefully. I think I did. I responded to everything I saw. Excited to include me in your lives. Uh, this week, we uh, we have some news for you that I'm going to get into before we start talking about topics, things like that. Uh, but if you have any email suggestions uh, like to for topics, uh, cover submissions like theme songs or like poster art for like the episodes i know we have like a cover each week and we always give a shout out to whoever made it um be sure to email those to us at zeldinformerpodcast at gmail.com we're also accepting theme song submissions um and if you have some musical talent i'm sure you can make something cool and i'd love to have it and i'll write you a nice beautiful thank you love your letter and uh uh nate will sign it with uh with his magical pen that he totally has and uh it'll all be fine and dandy nobody Nobody uses pens anymore. I use pens every day, man. <laughs> I use See? pens. Uh, his magical typing hand. He only has one of them. Only one. Oh, and markers. You'd be surprised how much of the site I keep organized off of my computer. 
he just has he just has markers. He's like he's like sitting there on the floor like a child, <laughs> yeah. like the like the like the full grip marker, like you know the four fingers. It's like on the bottom of the. Yeah, palm. It teaches you how to hold it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, some news. Uh, in Zelda, uh, Nintendo has announced the Legend of Zelda: Symphony of the Goddesses Master Quest. The symphony will begin touring on January Woo! 21st in Nashville, Tennessee, and travel around the globe before ending on October 27th in Houston, Texas. That means they're actually going to be going to places like London. Uh, I know everything else I didn't remember because there were a lot of places that they said, but it's probably coming near you somewhat. Maybe check it out. We posted the uh, the tour in the link below. You can buy tickets there. Um, the tour will be featuring. It's not going to be in Arizona though. Yeah, but it will be featuring new music from Majora's Mask and my personal favorite, A Link Between Worlds. So if it is near you or you can get to it, be sure to check out the link below. Buy some tickets. I went to the first uh, Zelda Symphony and it was amazing. You see a bunch of cool people. I met some friends there that I still talk to now. It's a blast. In other Zelda news, uh, Hyrule Warriors uh, IGN has released a tweet giving a little more information about Amiibo in that game, stating that only uh, five presents per day will be given out. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the game Hyrule Warriors has a DLC feature that if you have Amiibo and you connect it to your gamepad, uh, you'll be given a present in the form of a gift of like items, uh, rupees, things like that, which you can use in the game, which is pretty cool. But they're limiting it to five so that people can't uh, necessarily overpower themselves. Take advantage. Yeah. Yeah, and it should be noted that those gifts are for the non-Zelda-related Amiibos. The Zelda-specific figurines have their own DLC. Yeah, so be sure to get them. Those are cool. Yep. Um, yeah, too bad. I mean, to everybody who wanted there, to play as Mario and Hyrule Warriors. Do any of you guys even own five Amiibo? Uh, actually, Jeff, I think, does. And we were playing when I was uh, with him over Thanksgiving See, I have, break. I have one, and I'm hoping to get another for Christmas. But Actually, uh, he does have five. I mean, I want the whole crew, but God, man, it's going to cost me like 300 bucks. They're pretty cool. I really want a Kirby one. I really want a Kirby one. I don't know what I would do with one if I got one. <laughs> yeah, like for me, the main use is Smash Bros, but uh, everything else is kind of whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's neat to get the little gifts in Hyrule Warriors, of course, but, uh, you know, it's not like you need them. They you know, they help. They, they really help. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really see the point of them. They're like, like, when you just started out in Hyrule Warriors, I could see the point because yeah, but the it's gifts so much give you fun. extra crafty materials, which is... It's nice to upgrade your stuff. The, but that but beginning phase in Hyrule point, Warriors, you get, like, that rush of, like, this is a new game. Yeah. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Where, like, you just start a game and, like, everything is amazing and awesome. Like, oh, yeah. you swing oh your gosh, sword yes. and you kill something and it's oh, amazing. Yeah. You pick up an item, it's amazing. You're running around, it's amazing. And then about three months in when you've played the game way too much, you're like, I'm running too slow. Let me roll everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I never get that I feel like I'm running too slow, but I get, uh... Sometimes I get the feeling of Hyrule Warriors as I, you know, they keep releasing the, the DLC pack, which I, you know, I bought the season pass for. Um, it's just doing the same thing over and over again, which is fine. That's what Dynasty Warrior games are. Um, so obviously that's what Hyrule Warriors is, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a cool game. Uh, yeah. You know, if people have been on the fence about it, you know, we, we have a review for it, and the DLC is pretty cool. It's pretty packed with content. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to get, you know, it sounds like those costumes that, that were pre-order uh, exclusive costumes sounds like they might be really separate from the dlc season pass. uh possibly i yeah, i, I like doubt it's really it but separate I... in japan they're it's not they had the season pass in japan and it's not part of the season pass really that's separate. weird 
Yeah. I, I would imagine it'd be part of it. That makes sense, right? To yeah, like like why wouldn't it be? But I think maybe that's just because then it kind of takes takes away from the pre-order exclusive. Yeah, like, but I because a, a lot of people a lot of people who bought Hyrule Wars at launch, I'm betting bought the season yeah. pass. Before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit more about pre-order bonuses. But before we get into that, I have a friend um, who you may have heard on the podcast before, Cassie, who works at uh, Michael Todd Games, uh, creator of Electronic Superjoy. It's a cool platformer if you haven't played it. Uh, check it out. She's a good friend of mine. I'm not trying to like lie and say, like you know, I don't have any bias in this, and I probably do, um, regardless. He got a free T-shirt. Bad journalism. I have no... Ah. Ge- yeah, no, but I want to... I wanna, I wanna <laughs> State my bias before I start saying anything. Just so you know, I am friends with this person. And um, they're releasing a new DLC for the game called Hot Sticky Mess on Friday. Um, and Cassie got to make a level that she's really been wanting to, which is honestly a reason I'm not going to be talking to her for a few weeks. Because it's impossible. Like, from what I've seen, it's uh, there's like just spikes everywhere that move. And it's really hard. That move? I'm just like... Look it up. You'll find out. We'll put a link. It's not, we'll, put, uh, we'll, we'll see if <laughs> we can get it. It sounds like it's impossible. It just sounds like it's it takes tough. the, you know, either luck or basically the best player of the game ever. I just, <laughs> I just, there's a reason why I yell at her a lot about I that be game. I want to be the guy. Because I'm like, because she's a level designer. So every, every time I've been mad about that game has been her fault. So uh, if you're if you're interested in Electronic Superjoy, if you like pl- platformers like Mario and stuff like that, and if you're looking for a really good challenge, you know a lot of Zelda players really like a good challenge in games, check out Electronic Superjoy and its new DLC, uh, Hot Sticky Mess, coming out on Saturday. So today, you can go get it today probably. Oh, actually, if people are wondering, that it's a Steam game. So It is a Steam game, so yep. if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably play it. Unless yeah, you're listening it doesn't, to it as oh, we talk. Pretty much any computer can run it. So Yeah, it's a really small game as far as I can tell. But uh, if people are curious, you know, you can obviously go look up the reviews for it. Um, the game was reviewed very well. Uh, it, se- it seems a lot of people like it. And it, it is challenging, as Adam said. It, you know, it's it's not like popping in a Mario game and just getting to the end of the level no matter how many times you die. It's it's tough. Yeah. There's no easy... Yeah, nope. we, we may have a review linked below, hopefully Maybe. from GameAsia, hopefully from another site. We'll get you one <laughs> so you can see what other people are saying about this new DLC. Um, Metacritic? Yeah. So there's there's my plug, <laughs> and I'm sorry for making it. Might as well also plug my Twitter. Follow me on twitter.com slash abcmilkman if you want to hear me ramble about stupid things or yell at four in the morning about doing editing. Oh. And if you're interested in uh, if you're interested in Adam's uh, OK Cupid account, <laughs> it's under Adam from Zelda Informer. <laughs> He's single and looking. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, or, you know, you guys can always follow the Zelda Informer Twitter account. Yeah. Which oh, is, yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, that. At Zelda Informer. Ooh, it's in the link down below. That's, that's a difficult one. But uh, for, <laughs> besides getting off track, um, with uh, DLC and, like, video games that have uh, pre-order bonus exclusives, I think it's good incentive to have those from the start, but I don't think it's good to make those permanently pre-order bonuses. I don't mm-hmm. like right. pre-order digital bonuses content at all. You don't like pre-order bonuses at all? No. The only kind of pre-order bonuses I like are what I got from Mario Kart 8. They gave me a poster. Um, I don't think... It, it, it's kind of one of those I don't like that content for the game is cut and spliced between different retailers. It's against Nintendo's usual policy. Well, it wasn't, made, it wasn't a, a Nintendo game, to be fair. So. No, I'm saying that like it's weird to have a game with their brand on it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually with Nate on all that. Like, they, I, um, and I know a lot of fans are upset about it too. And uh, you know, obviously, um, Nintendo or I think it was Nintendo, maybe it was Koei Tecmo. They heavily hinted that it would be re-released later for purchase, anyways. Mm-hmm. But it, it's still one of those. You know, this, this should it be? For, why, why can't it be for free? Because it was obviously content was obviously done before the game came out. So it's kind of a uh, right. they cut content from the game to make pre-order exclusiveness, and now they're going to use that content that was yeah. done before the game came out to make money. And that's kind of what a lot of fans hate about DLC. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, you get the new Zelda game, and, like, the pre-order bonus is the sword, <laughs> and you can't go any further in the game without the sword? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Well, I, would say, I mean, this is different. <laughs> Obviously, the, the cut content in this case is just costumes, which isn't a big deal, but... Exactly. Well, it's the same thing, and, uh, and, that's, and that's the thing. I've, I subscribe to the school of thought that states that uh, uh, pre-order bonuses are very anti-consumer. At the same time, pre-order bonuses, by and large, tend to be very benign items within yeah, a game. It's like, it, oh, you get a multiplayer one, two, chest piece or some other piece of crap that like yeah. the really, really hyper-hardcore fans who are already going to pre-order the thing are going to chest piece. want and, oh god, they oh. need to have. And uh, I mean, everybody else is just going to be, you know, complaining that they don't have it because, oh, I want to oh. have that thing because why don't I have it? I know yeah. you're giving this as, a, as an example and I'm not making fun of you. I do love the idea of a multiplayer chest piece and I'm really curious to what you mean by that. I'm like hoping that there's more to this. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was uh, first in line at my local GameStop uh, to get Halo Reach, and it came with a uh, free chest piece for for uh, the online multiplayer. I oh chest piece be, yeah chest oh, piece. Oh, oh we, we thought you meant chest piece. Yeah. No, I, was like, I got it. Yeah, no, no, like, oh, no, 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 like like a chest chest piece, like a piece of chest armor. Yeah, because that'd be crazy if there was what thirty-two exclusive chess pieces at different retailers. And because I, I was thinking like I was thinking like a Chinese no checker scenario, but with chess. Thing. And I thought of like how complicated and convoluted that would be. It yeah. I oh imagine. no, I just imagine like getting a chess game, and that's the pre-order like bonus. You get a chess. You get a chess board. Yeah, well, well, they do that. The they do that too. They, they had this one hundred and fifty dollars version of uh, Halo Reach that I certainly didn't get, where they they gave you some pl- some plastic dolls and stuff that you can put up on a stand and be like, oh, yeah. I'm a real fan because I have this well, thing, and it's like well, when I, I okay, I, so what? Well, I, I got Arkham have... City. Uh, the uh, I got the pre-order bonus that came with a small statue of Batman. That looks cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, see, I don't have a problem to go to Adam's with, house. Uh, <laughs> like, if they do, um, like, exclusive physical products like that, like, I know for the Windmaker HD um, in the UK, you could get, uh, actually, in, even in the US, I think they had a version where you could get a statue of Ganondorf with it. Oh, yeah, I got um, it. I got that. I, I don't have a problem with that stuff because it's not affecting the game. But uh, I still it, see, like, the idea that, like... It sucks because, like, not everyone can get it, I guess. Like, if there wasn't... I think it was and especially immediately. Was some people can get it, but not that moment, and they want to. Yeah, but, it's, I mean, that also is the whole... That gets into the debate of limited editions, and if limited editions should actually be limited. Um, and if they're not limited, is it really a special to own it? And there's, you know... Well, here's the thing, is that, like... if they create, you know... Are you playing the game to enjoy the game, or are you playing it for the monetary value of it? Because I play games because I really like the game. I want a statue of Link because I like Link. I don't want it because it's going to be worth $4,000 in three years. I think it's a combination of both. 
Like, people buy games and they expect to get an entertainment value out of it or what they pay for it. Yeah. I'm not that just... That includes I'm the not item like, they get. Like, they, they, you know, if they paid extra so they could have that statue, you know, they're going to want that statue to feel like it was worth the money they bought it for. Yeah, well, getting it at yeah, a discount I, and things like that are always worth it. But, yeah. Well, what about those people who got the special edition for uh, Duke Nukem Forever and they got that bust and then realized the game was so bad that they had to break it with that bust? Yeah, yeah there's that. I mean, they give you a weapon to break the... the terrible game with but this kind of yeah this kind of brings a full circle back to the whole you know getting digital content exclusive to retailers um like in hyrule warriors i just i just don't that really i don't a lot see of these, uh, as a like nintendo's never done it and they haven't yeah. done it again since and i doubt they're going to do it you know that nintendo themselves is going to do it again in the future they could obviously i think we mentioned that in the previous they could have partners that do it like if they partner up with a mm-hmm. you know another studio for a team for a game they might you know they might do it yeah and well, one just, of our fans uh Logan, I'm gonna call him. He he gave us a name, but it's silly, and I don't want to say it. But his name is Logan. He want he uh he wanted to ask us what we thought of the idea of a uh, Hyrule Warrior DLC. Like, what would we put in that game as DLC? Skull Kid. Skull Kid. Yeah, definitely, Skull definitely. Kid. That would be um, first thing. <laughs> a well, I mean, exactly what we've been getting, I guess. Uh, I, I like, I like what they've done with the DLC so far. Um, yeah. you know, I know some people are like, oh, Postman Link. That's so dumb. I think it's uh, silly and cute. I, I think that's kind of... Hyrule Warriors is just about celebrating the series, as E.G. Yeah, Nova put it. It's, um, it it's is all a about, love letter. It's about having fun. And yeah, Postman yeah. Look, Link looks absolutely ridiculous. Well, guess what? The Postman in um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask looks absolutely ridiculous. I love I love Postman so, Link. It has given me some fun images on the internet. <laughs> it's neat. I don't think he yeah, looks ridiculous. Up, he lo- he, yeah, he's, he's the postman. He runs around all the time, so of course he's not going to wear much. Nate, we need to make a petition. Okay, bear with me. Link costume. for t- It's a Tingle costume for Link. <laughs> that would make my day. That would be too tight. That would... Right? It, it, wow. A little bit too tight. <laughs> but no, obviously, right uh, we know we had the Majora's Mask DLC coming up. Um, I would... You know, Skull Kid's got to be in it. I, I can't imagine why you... We know it. I mean, he's the representation of that entire game. I mean, if they don't have him, then they have to have Happy Mass Salesman. It has to be one mm-hmm. of the two. Fierce, yeah, I was thinking both. I'm, I was thinking that what they might do is do... Uh, um, now that I've seen what they've done with the Twilight Princess DLC, they might do, like, Skull Kid as his own character and then make Happy Mass Salesman a costume for Link. Since they, they do realize that if they were to make Skull Kid his own character, the Hyrule Warriors game itself would just double in sales. <laughs> yeah, like because I don't want to I'm just saying that like there's a difference between a uh, Majora's Mask fan base and the Hyrule Warrior fan base. Well, there there certainly is. Um, I'm just saying like the debate is always how big is that Majora's Mask fan base, and I guess we'll find out next year. I think yeah. it's a I think it's like it's a cult hit that like is a lot well, that, bigger. Than yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, it is a cult hit. That's for sure. I mean, people even, who loved Majora's Mask when it came out love it. The people who yeah. didn't like it still don't like it. Yeah, um, and you know, just we're on the internet, so the people that like it are able to come together, um, in you know, on specific websites like our site. Um, I think on Game Facts, I think they have a large Majora's Mask following. Every group. every major gaming um, site has its own Majora's Mask group. I feel like. Yeah, well, kind of. Um, on IGN, I know when they've had tournaments, Majora's Mask usually doesn't get past round two, but on Game Facts, it always makes it to the finals. So. Oh, wow. It's all about what community you're in. Like, like on IGN, it's all Ocarina of Time. That's what they like. That's the popular game. Um, yeah. 
On our side, it's Majora's Mask. Where am I linked to the past fans? Um, on Zelda Dungeon, oh, right I think it's Twilight Princess. You know, I was very surprised because the new people, like, I'm so used to on our side, at least our staff, to be like, 2D games, eh. But, like, recently, I was having a conversation with a few of the staff members, and there was some definite love for A Link Between Worlds. Well, yeah. Our, fan, our old staff um, that got replaced in the last year, I guess, you know, people quit and we replaced yeah. them. They liked A Link Between Worlds, too. Like, we gave it a good review, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Link, did we the, only, the only complaint I've seen from anyone about A Link Between Worlds is that they thought it was a little too easy. Yeah, but even then, the, the there's the hero mode. The hero mode, which the criticism works. there is that you have to beat the game to get hero mode. Um, well, which is a, a debate in that of itself if like Nintendo should just have Hero Mode unlocked right away like yeah. they did in the Wind Waker HD which the excuse was oh most people who are going to buy this game already played it well yeah but some people like playing the harder version of the game right away it's yeah I difficulty think, settings yeah, yeah Nintendo's a little bit weird about that I would say um, yeah like EG and Omu, just because you can't beat it on Hero Mode doesn't mean other people can't yeah, and I'm not saying that's insult, Iji Anomo. He just—he's no. someone who admitted well, he can't even beat some of the games he's previously made. Which is, so. I mean, that's kind of cool. I think that's kind of a good thing because that shows like he cared more about the design than like his own skill in the game. If you understand what I mean. Yeah. He, well, he, some people use it as a criticism because he said he's never beaten the original Legend of Zelda. So people are like, well, because you haven't beaten it, that's why the games today are so far removed from what that is. Well, because he wants I mean, to make a game that he can that beat. That is what. I guess you could say that, but I think yeah. that a lot of the time a, ve- a developer wants to make a game that's hard enough that they have a difficult time with it. I feel like they, at least but, in my mindset, yeah. when I go into like what I want to see in a game, I want to make a game that's going to be challenging for me as a player so that I get the, the, the uh, satisfaction of c- accomplishing things. And that's what I think that's good if, about if, Zelda is that like A Link Between Worlds especially had this like medium difficulty entry level where, where I would say it's like if you're a, if you're a big Zelda fan, for the most part, it's not a hard game. It's a pretty fun, fast-paced game that you can just play whenever, and you just have a good time. Or if you're a really, really hardcore Zelda fan, you, it's too easy that you even you can't even like get hit by anything in it. Uh, but if you're a new player to the series, it's a it's a fun game with a moderate amount of challenge, and the puzzles, regardless of your skill mm-hmm. level, are not so straightforward that it's not mentally invigorating. Yeah. So and, it, and it, it it does give I you. Mean, the, the, <laughs> I'm not trying to slam. EG no Um I like no. what he's done with the Zelda series, and I like what. No, Mark you're definitely trying series. to slam him. Um, <laughs> Nate, you're putting him on blast. <laughs> I think we're all. You're, you're, no, you're, you're, I'm, you're, I'm just saying what I'm calling seen. him out. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm just saying what I've what I've seen a lot of Zelda fans say about um, kind of the the whole EG no era. If you look at it in general, all of these games are a lot easier than Ocarina of Time and before, and mm-hmm. a lot of that is because. Iji Anomu has admitted that he is not a hardcore gamer. Um, yeah. He, but he is a game maker. He, he, he's a game maker. He does play games. He, he admitted he played Skyrim. Um, he also said he's never beaten Skyrim. And well, you it, can't it beat w- Skyrim. So. Well, yeah, I mean, but you, you could beat you could beat story mode on Skyrim. Yeah, you know? but that's not really Skyrim. I've beat no, Skyrim no. once, and I've still put three hundred hours into it. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that. Uh, I think his his point he tries to make, and I think this is how gamers have interpreted it as. He is kind of like a casual gamer who plays games for the experience more so than the difficulty. Yeah. And if you look at his Zelda games, it's been a lot more story-based, a lot more 
experience based. And but less those about games that have the story are tend to be they they tend to be long lived. I'm sa- not saying that the Zelda games in the series that are the harder ones don't have a good history or a good like appreciation of them. Like Zelda One, Zelda Two, there's definite appreciation for those games. Mm-hmm. I would say Zelda Two is, in my mind, the hardest Zelda game, and mm, I tried playing it a few times. Every time I regret it. Because I just <laughs> I can't go through it, and I know that's your favorite game. So favorite yeah, don't mess with Zelda Yeah, but like I still Zelda Two's your favorite. Yep. Right on. Like wow, I've never met anyone else who liked. Yeah. That so one. if you ever think that the boss isn't like a hardcore Zelda fan, then you avoided the. Uh, we we had a, a vote the other day on the site for the top dungeon in Zelda Two, and there's a lot of people who were talking about how much they liked the game. So if we put Zelda Two, uh, I mean if we put uh top 10 dungeons and we just and we like we were really considering every game i would say the entire list would just be made of zelda 2 <laughs> just because no, it's it's, no. it's a frustrating time <laughs> that doesn't make it a good dungeon design just because it's frustrating okay yeah well, <laughs> no, well it's no. the same thing i remember I we Adam had a put- we had a discussion in the back room once about um zelda bosses and i asked the question no one really responded to this i asked the question are we referring to difficult boss well designed in terms of like build out character or good boss fight because i was rating mine based on boss fights yeah well it's kind of rated on um you know i guess letting our fans know we do have a top 10 bosses list coming out sometime i don't know if it's going to come out before christmas yet i didn't want to i didn't want to spoil it but i wanted to but it's okay yeah and and so this is what he's bringing up the the internal debate about what makes you know what what are you using to determine what your boss is because um, I actually want to go back and make sure that that list is right. So, are we were we talking about the <laughs> best designed bosses it's or the best? What, it's no. it's whatever criteria you want to use. Okay. Same reason I tell our fans like, we're coming up with the top ten dungeons. Well, what's the criteria? The criteria is whatever you want it to be. I feel like um, these comments now exactly. are just going to be what everyone else thinks. And because uh, otherwise, think about it. If we had a set criteria for it, then we could have you know seventeen different top ten bosses and. That, oh yeah, like the best design, the, like the best yeah, combat, that's just, the that's most just too. Yeah, I mean, I want, don't want to say it's too detailed, but it's just too, uh, too. I guess too focused on different mm-hmm. aspects that I think people would eventually just ignore the list. Because my list turned into just Ganondorf appearing four times, Vadi appearing twice, and then just <laughs> random enemies that people would like shake their head at. Because, like me, like, I'm using it as like what were my favorite encounters. And yeah, I, that's what I was doing. That's what and I, was I doing. and I, you know how I base that. You know, is obviously um, the difficulty. Um, the design of the fight. Yeah, um, one that I ranked high on that was uh, the Four Swords last fight, because you have that fun volley fight with the bo- oh. with uh, Shadow Ganon, mm-hmm. and you have to really totally re- underrated. You, you have fight. to use the Four Swords. Oh. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun when you have four people playing because mm-hmm. everybody's shouting, um, and if you have just two people, it's still a pretty uh, hectic nightmare because mm-hmm. it's like swapping in between and making sure that someone isn't swapping onto a character and then not moving them and stuff and it's working together it's really working together as a team and that's one of the cooler fights that you never see in zelda on that topic um uh, nathan wrote into us um asking adam I lo- well this is what he said uh adam i like your four swords amiibo idea for zelda u though if they don't do that how do you and the guests on the podcast feel about having a multiplayer mode that's not part of the main storyline like fighting bosses together on do- or doing puzzles slash challenges together. Something like the Cave of Trials. I think that's what it's called in Twilight Princess together. Mm. I think it's the Cave of Trials. Yeah. That would be... Uh, that, that would be... Are you asking us to weigh in? 
Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be a particularly uh, interesting idea. Be, I myself have kind of struggled uh, for a while to think of a game that really does uh, cooperative play uh, very well because a lot of these games and a lot of cooperative games end up just being two individual players who are just playing on the same team. Like uh, when I when I pre- when I play uh, shooters with my brother, uh, basically we're pr- we're playing pretty independent of each other. When we play Ibn Ab, uh, if for anybody who's played that game, a brilliant uh, platformer, uh, yeah. and uh, that that's a game that requires players to actually cooperate with each other. But that well, sort of experience is very unique, and and it's yeah. very rare in yeah. games in general for it to really shine through as a cooperative experience. Actually, uh, on that note, probably the best uh, example I think of a cooperative game right now would be uh, Planet Side 2, because of the sheer size of the conflicts involved. Demand uh, that these entire armies of literally hundreds of players have to cooperate with each other, have to form yeah. like a structure to uh, win the win the battles. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan also yeah. went on to say a little bit more. Uh, he also said like how we feel about uh, multiplayer in Legend of Zelda, what our deal multiplayer Legend of Zelda would be. Would it be more Four Swords or something different? And my response really has to do more with that. The the idea, yeah, I really do think that Four Swords as a as a game series could be more explored. The Four Sword could definitely come back, but especially definitely. with the new game with the gamepad and the new control options like the 3DSs. I think it'd be great. It'd be yeah. easy. A lot of people own a 3DS right now. I'd say a lot more than yep. owned um, a a GameCube and Game Boy Advance and the adapter for uh, Four Swords and the game Four Swords. And I think that based on how they're allowing people to play um, Smash Bros. using the 3DS, I think that it's very likely that they might be inclined to letting people play on their 3DS if they only have the one Wii U copy of Four Swords. And I would really love to see that happening. All right. No, definitely. I, I would. Right. I would too. It's. Uh, it, it's certainly a, a, a gimme to the uh, people who are really, really invested in the uh, Nintendo ecosystem, though. Yeah, but at the same time, I would still say that it's not as difficult as it was back in the day, where it was you had to have the cables and you had to everyone had to have the game copy because you know the cable can't transfer the game data to the DS and. Uh, it's a lot more simple. Yeah, now. it's way more simple. They could definitely do it a lot easier. Yeah. If they kept even if they just kept the same graphic style, you know, with Toon Link and the same level of art. Right. Yeah. Did you see the four swords for the three DS? Yeah, the anniversary uh, edition. Uh, play with friends. Yeah, it was yeah, it was great. Wireless with your friends. It worked yeah. great. Alright. I have a lot to say on this. <laughs> so I'm gonna apologize ahead of time if this seems a little well, ranty. Strap in, folks. So strap in and get your popcorn ready. Um, so, uh, first off, uh, kind of in response to what Paul was talking about with his cooperative experience, um, I'm about me and his friend that you're talking about. Uh, my brother. Like, your brother, okay? Yeah, I like playing like, like a game and kind of working independently. And, uh, <clears throat> and how that's what a lot of cooperative experiences tend to yeah, evolve and, into. Yeah, and that that's kind of a... Uh, individual choice, like there's cooperative play in uh, Hyrule Warriors. I mean, it's only local; can't do it online, which you know a lot of people are upset about. But uh, you know, and it tends to work very well. But um, the people that have the most success are the people that work together to achieve the goals instead of working individually. 
Um, and that's kind of the same in, I mean, even when you look at, you know, like the Master Chief Collection that just came out, um, or even Call of Duty, the when, when you have people in the same room playing together, um, their team tends to be more successful when those two people work together than when they try to work individually. Yeah. Um, so the cooperative experience is there. It's just a question of if people want to take advantage of it or if they want to act like they're just there by themselves. Um, and, you know, sometimes they do want to be there by themselves. They'll go on opposite teams and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, for the games that allow them to do that. I know not, not many allow you to do local co-op online on different teams. But um, I'm, I'm on PC, so... I, well, I PC game a lot, so we can do that. But I think on my Xbox One, I think when I had Call of Duty and I couldn't, I couldn't get my friend on the opposite team. Um, which is, well, that's fun because, you, you, you know, sometimes you have friends over you want to trash talk to them. And, uh, you know, you're not going to trash talk when you're on the same team. That's why I like the... Uh, trying to win. Why not? In Four Swords, you could actually do that. You had the, there was a versus well, mode for combat. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, like, a good Zelda game that wouldn't be the Four Swords um, would take advantage of, like, People have been saying how they want you for. They've been saying for years how they want like Zelda to be like a main character in a, in a Legend of Zelda game. Even it though was already, already, already she already is, is. and Phantom Hourglass. But anyway, for people though that don't pay attention, um, sorry, <laughs> that was mean. Um, it would be cool to have characters like uh, Zelda be fighting alongside Link um, with different specialties. It's not in the Hyrule Warriors fashion. I would still say in the um, in the Four Swords fashion, top-down view, uh, Toon Link style, where you di- you have different gadgets. Every character is assigned different gear, and then in that way they can uh, go through puzzles. Kind of like a squ- getting, I'd really like a like a, a squad, a squeak yeah. squad, if you will. Yeah, and like getting back, really like a <laughs> getting back into that Zelda stuff. Oh um, you know, so that you know, cooperative play is what it is, and you know. The, Multiplayer is not really new to the Zelda series. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the Four Sword games. Um, but Phantom Hourglass had an online multiplayer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a game where you, one person controlled the Phantom, the other was Link. I think you were trying to collect all the Force Gems, I believe, um, without getting caught. And, you know, that that was neat, and it worked at the time, because, you know, you could move the Phantom by drawing on the touchscreen, and obviously, you know, that was the big thing with the DS, was the touchscreen, so... Um, now it's know, and the whole and the, and the whole Phantom Hourglass game was controlled with the touchscreen, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it made a lot of sense. But you know, the big thing to me is how you know for console-wise, home console. The only time they've experimented with it was with a Four Swords Adventures game mm-hmm. with the interconnectivity with Game Boy Advances. Yep. yep. Mm, actually, uh, th- there was another... And if, you own the, uh, and if you own the Link to the Past version for the Game Boy, a lot of the time it came with the uh, the, the multiplayer version of Four Swords as an added yeah. bonus. So yeah. it, they did try to push it out there so that people could play that game. They weren't trying to be like... And Anniversary Edition. Yeah, yeah, the Anniversary Edition. Although yeah. there, there, was an, there was another version of... Uh, uh, Zelda multiplayer that that actually came out, and I think that it was before Four Swords, and it was kind of well, actually, it was it was a very different concept because uh, whereas uh, in, in DS Zelda, it not not in DS Zelda, uh, I'm no BS Zelda is what it's called. It was B- an online multiplayer Zelda game of the original Legend of Zelda. I don't back in the eighties. 
really, wow, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. That was there. the very first time they ever I, tried online with any video game. I'm, welcome, yeah. to, welcome to old school, Zelda edition. Okay, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually talking about... I'm actually talking about, uh, in, in The Legend of Zelda, uh, The Wind Waker, the uh, Tingle Tuner allowed okay, uh, yep. a second person to sit beside you with the Game Boy Advanced, and they didn't control bombs, a baby. second link. <laughs> and this, I think, is uh, where a, lo a lot of people want to stray away from this, because uh, when you think of multiplayer, you think of uh, more than one person, and but all these people that are playing together, if it's a cooperative experience, everybody is more or less on the same footing, has the same abilities. Uh, but with the Tingle Tuner, basically, uh, you have the first player plays as Link, and the second player uh, is kind of like a partner for the first player. Now, the Tingle Tuner wasn't very well implemented. I think the only thing that the Tingle Tuner could do that was really any use was, like, you could bomb an enemy or bomb certain locations, but it cost the first player like 15 rupees every time you dropped a single bomb so yeah i know and 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 i don't think that you even i think that maybe you even had to like uh give your uh partner permission to do that and, and it was very cumbersome but i think that if that idea were expanded upon the idea of uh you know the the it's it's a more asymmetrical cooperative experience uh, because the Zel Zelda games, traditional Zelda games, do not. I strongly believe they do not fit into a multiplayer, let alone a cooperative uh, mold, very easily. Because when you try to shoehorn Zelda into a multiplayer mold, you get four swords, which is essentially a very squeezed down, very shortened, much more arcadey top-down game than a well, traditional Zelda game, which is much more you know, is cinematic and story-focused and inventory-focused. I like how you use the word arcade. Um, definitely in the anniversary edition of Four Swords for the 3DS, that's a lot more apparent. I would say that um, the, the Four Swords for the GameCube is arcadey in a in a different style where it's like you have the level map you have like the level map yeah you know you, you're the team moves and i love that i love that aspect of the game where you had the really you had a great soundtrack playing in the background the entire time and you know it felt like you know you you start on a level as a team and it could have and you could have had a totally different team from last time you played you could have four different players playing that same progression and it didn't really matter it was just a fun game to get together and play. Okay, and 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 that can be good. I mean, it it can be good if it's an arcadey experience. But I'm, I'm talking about it, if uh, if multiplayer were to really work and really take off in Zelda, I think that it would have to be a sort of situation where uh, one player is gonna have to you know swallow their pride and realize, okay, I can't be a second Link that's uh, running around a uh, right oh, beside. Oh, like what I was saying know. earlier about Zelda being another yeah. character with like a bow. Yeah. And then you have yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could have like uh it, like, it, it, like I said you well, got a team. Actually no, yeah, yeah. I well I'm I'm not talking about being another player that uh runs around. I'm talking about something like uh the Tingle Tuner. Maybe in okay, l let's suppose that uh it, that, that it, feels that reminds me of the little brother kind of thing where it's just like well, oh, yeah. here, I have a little brother and I have to kinda keep him entertained so here he can kind of help out but he's not really helping well i i i can see that as actually a quite, quite an interesting mechanic i mean suppose let 
let's suppose that you had uh, Ocarina of Time had a cooperative mechanic where uh, a second player could control Navi. And the moment that the secondary uh, player controls Navi, uh, a good example. Has anybody ever played uh, Jet Force Gemini on the Nintendo 64? The co-op on that? The second player uh, doesn't play as a second person who's running around uh, shooting bugs independently of the first player. Uh, the second player plays as Floyd, who's this uh, character who's, you know, just hovering over the shoulder of the uh, main player and moves, ha has the same exact camera uh, vision as the first player, but they get to shoot bugs too, and they get to help out, because, you know, all of a sudden you can shoot uh, in two directions at once on the same like screen. Navi had, like, a small magic attack? Yeah, if, if, ma if uh, either or Navi can move around independently around uh, the arena and, and occasionally drop down shields around Link Here's or, thing, uh, or uh, set fire to enemies or certain parts of the environments, and at the same time, the game responds to the fact that a second player is playing, and so it ratchets up the difficulty but the way that uh, or that, that like would that. require them to basically change the way that the game is designed. Like Ocarina of Ocarina of Time is like very much suited to the fact that it's just Link with yeah. the sword. Yeah, exactly. And which is which is part of my main contention that uh, Zelda, by its by its very nature, is not very well suited to the multiplayer mold. And I would I would say that the puzzle aspect is, and I think that's an integral part of Zelda. And I feel like well, I think ignoring see, that would be. The, I think it's, it's kind of this way. Um, if you're looking to build an immersive single-player experience, like what mo most of the Zelda games are, um, in terms of like the main storyline, and you know, yeah, okay, that doesn't fit very well with cooperative play. Uh, and I don't think anybody is really looking at the series to become that kind of cooperative experience uh, of a single-player experience like that. Um, I you know I know a lot of people like when Ijinomu made his comments about how um, there, you know he basically said there might be some multiplayer aspects in Zelda U. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something that suggested that you wouldn't be playing by yourself. Um, that freaked people out, and I'm like, I don't think the main quest is going to be that kind of thing. I think he was referring to more like what they've done with Phantom Hourglass, or you know how they can expand like mini games and side things into being an online multiplayer thing. Like you could easily take a lot of the mini-games in the games and have online leaderboards for them, and stuff kind of like that. Well, and they've done that, and Nintendo's done that in some of their other games. Uh, and then you kind of look at the Four Swords, and like I know Four Swords um, Adventures and Four Swords um, both kind of felt more arcade -y, but, you know, there's a good argument that for people who actually got to play Four Swords Adventures with friends, um, and I, I'm talking about that one specifically since it was, at least to me, a more fuller experience and than Four Swords, which I think was basically just an experiment. Um, well, I have an idea. I I, I have an what's idea. The, what's since the Legend is, since the Legend of Zelda is more of like uh kind of like exploring dungeons most of the time, as well as you know running all over the world and stuff. What if there was a game, a Zelda game, in which you can have up to four people and they all get to play as like different characters and by different characters I mean kind of like classes in a way now bear with me on this like let's say they're going we've, to a dungeon we've talked about that we just need to get we, past we said this like I said this earlier with Zelda being another character being a b arranged character no. and like Link being the, the classic sword fighter but and I imagine character. like maybe like the yeah so the main character or whoever picks Link gets to be Link who is kind of like uh, the sword wielding character he has shield, like some has... Uh, pros to him he has a shield he can like block incoming like arrows he can also he's not exactly fireproof but he can handle mm -hmm. fire, whereas somebody could be playing as like the Goron character, 
and he's able to like break through boulders and he's able to use his but he's slow as well as maybe somebody but he's slow and somebody could have like the zora character which they can jump in the water and actually hit the switch so they can proceed into the next area and it's all about teamwork but each character has their own attributes No, I, I definitely agree and with that. Everybody's able to. You fight. have like a squad. Everybody's able to. And I think fight, that though. I think exactly. I think teamwork is really inherent in Zelda, especially nowadays. It's not obvious like other things, like Link having a sword is very obvious. But teamwork is something that has always been in Zelda games since the very beginning. I would say, and not just that, and multiplayer from games, the very like, first person that you meet you get assistance every step of the way. Uh, you have the old man who says, mm-hmm. it's dangerous to go alone, take this with you. It's not just him giving you a sword, right. it's him giving you his assistance, his aid. He's guiding you by giving you his his best help he can give you. And along the way, in Ocarina of Time, you collect the sages who are giving themselves to you as, your, as comrades to help you on your journey. And a lot of the time, that's what's going like, on. There's a huge difference between you know, being given guidance or being given, like, magical abilities or extra courage I, that helps advance the story or makes your character more powerful than actually having someone physically doing things with you. Yeah, like, no, but it's... it's I, 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 love, that, like, I love the idea that... Uh, Justin, right? That was your name? Mm-hmm. I, I should, yeah, I that was me. <laughs> oh, wow. I should oh, know this. I always see Zaxel, and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> um, Call me whatever you want. Yeah, no, so I, I like the idea that Justin presented. I, it just... Everything you're talking about sounds exactly what Zelda games are not. Um, in fact, when you started describing it, I kept thinking, well, isn't that Majora's Mask? Where you can put on different masks and do all those things in the same dungeon? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of one of those things that Zelda's already done that as a single-player experience. And, and Zelda itself, I don't think... like I, If they're going to do multiplayer, it has to be... I mean, they could do it 3D style, like Four Swords, but it has to be like a Four Swords type of game. And I don't think they're ever going to aim for those kind of games to be like, hey, that's going to be our big Wii U title. It's going to be a Four Swords type I game. I think it's because it's... Like, it's a... It would be like a between-release type game, like an experimental game. But speaking about things that we do know for a fact, uh, Asian Aonuma, since we were talking about him earlier, I thought I'd bring him up again. Uh, he mentioned in the interview with Famitsu Magazine, uh, I think he talked about it a month ago? was the last time we really talked about him. We got uh, a, a fan of the site um, recently sent us a full translation, and we've heard that from, from AG that uh, the art direction for Zelda U is based on imitating the real world and drawing inspiration from Japanese animations. So we do know a little bit more about the direction that the game is taking. Um, I thought that was really relevant to what we were talking about, how like you know we it's hard to tell what Nintendo will do with new Zelda titles, but at the same time there's things we know they won't try because they're pretty risky. And yeah, Nate, you have a good point. I think that uh, the multiplayer style of Zelda that I would like to see come back is not going to be something that we're going to be seeing until there's a huge demand for it which will never happen. Um, <laughs> but I think it's... I, th- I think it's... I think never happens. I, I think it's one of those that they'd have to decide, okay, we want to experiment with that Four Swords Adventure style again um, as a side game. But yeah, no, what I'm saying is like... Zelda U or whatever. Yeah. And if that particular game, you know, if they if they stop making it have walls, like you have to own a Wii U and a 3DS or you have to own... Yeah, the big thing is always know, the... X uh... and y. Like if you just have to buy just the game for the platform and you can play it multiplayer with anybody... And they should do what they if do that with Mario game Kart. goes on to sell really well, I could see them being like, okay, well, hey, that game sold 2 million copies. That's obviously something we want to build on. They could on. do what they did with uh, Mario Kart for the DS, 
uh, does it, if anybody remembers, um, what you could have is if someone had the, I remember this because I was, when I was in like fifth grade, we'd go on these like field trips to like Disney World because I live in Florida. So we'd take like a four hour trip. We'd go to Disney World and everybody would be on the bus and someone would have Mario Kart. And so everyone who had a DS would pull out their DS and we'd all connect to his game and he would be able to play as any character he wanted. Yeah, everyone else was limited play. to playing a shy guy. But as a result, people were interested in getting the game. People were interested in buying yeah. it. And I feel like um, Justin made a good point with uh, the uh, the classes thing. But let's say that everyone who just um, plays it as like a demo basically gets to play along but doesn't have the game gets to only be like a soldier or an archer. They only get like the two sure. class options. Sure, but I, but I think at this point, if you're going to do any sort of multiplayer game like that, they'd almost have to make it online compatible. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think, think that's what most people would play. Like, the if you're on a bus trip, you know, obviously you don't have internet, so you're going yeah, no, to do what you can. But yeah, I would, I'd prefer to be around people that I'm playing with. I'd prefer to play it with other people. Yeah, like, I think every, like when everyone I, when prefers I meet a, to be with people. Yeah, like, uh, I, well, I, I shouldn't say everyone, but it's a lot kind of people of, It's fun to be like, okay, I have a friend in Texas, and I want to play this game with him. But I would m- be more inclined to play it when I'm around Jeff when we're back home and we're like hanging out with our 3DSs nearby. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, you could also talk about in that situation, like if it's you and Jeff and it's a Zelda game, you probably both own it anyways. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's a kind of a mute point for like you know the friends that you would hang out with. But <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, yeah, I, I like I said, I l- I really like the idea of that multiplayer Zelda, but getting into the you know that that Zelda U quote. Um, yeah, it's interesting because a lot of fans already kind of noticed, and I'm not I'm not a big anime watcher myself. I am. Uh, there's a few I watch. Like I'm, I watch One I'm Piece. A, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan. One Piece fan. Um, Please get up. And <laughs> there's the door. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I like F- FLCO Fully Cooly. Fully um, Oh heck yeah, Fully Great show. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Sorry, not for love kids. It. it was like there was like the perfect short anime. Ever. Not for kitties. Read the comic. Um, it's really good. I, I highly recommend. Yeah, I haven't it. read the comic yet. Read it. But um. So th- there's a couple animes I'm into, but um, so I, I had no idea that this style was even based on an anime. But a lot of people noted back during E3 that it, it kind of reminded them of was that Princess Monoke or whatever. Yeah, Princess Monoke is, is a lot of people yeah. are pretty sure that's the. Uh, yeah, and now the EG has come straight out and said, "Hey, it's based on Japanese animation." So We're pretty okay. pretty now sure we that. now we know it's based on this basically. Yeah. Um, and and some people hate that because um, the the Japanese anime like I, I know there's a lot of people in the united states that watch anime and everything and from japan you know with subs and without subs we call them but, weirdos um, i'm just kidding we call them weirdos. but but it's kind of like a, a niche community mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of debate on if going more japanese i guess with the game is a smart choice i would say no i would on like i watch anime a lot um i'm pretty snobbish when it comes to it i like don't like the more common stuff because i like the popular stuff is usually not as well done it's usually more um it caters to what people want to see as opposed to what it the what it's trying to be its own thing well yeah i like shows like i mean i do like kill a kill which is popular but i like it because it has really good messages behind it and i think that going towards that niche sort of crowd where it's like this this style that may t- take people away, like because it has done that for me before in the past, where they've tried changing the art style it has uh, made people kind of like hesitate to try it, like Wind Waker for me. Um, yeah, I see that happening with this, and I see a different crowd going into Zelda, which isn't a bad thing. I'm just saying that you may lose the people that you know will buy the game 
as a result. Yeah, and well, like uh, like what was going on before Wind Waker had come out, people were expecting like a game like Ocarina of Time, like that kind of mm-hmm. like graphics, but more amped up. Fair. You know, what they got with the E3. They were, they were expecting yeah. twi- what Twilight Princess eventually was. Well, yeah. what they were really... Well, definitely. But let's be yeah. honest. Well, what, what, what they really expected, and it's Nintendo's own fault, right? So their first 3D game was Ocarina of Time, their second 3D game was Majora's Mask, and then the next time we saw anything Zelda in 3D was Space World, and they showed a tech demo of Zelda for GameCube, and that's what people expected. It looked like a natural evolution of Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. That's what people expected. And then the next time we saw Zelda, it was nothing like that. In fact, the initial showing for The Wind Waker, if you guys ever go back and watch the original trailer, it does not look good. Um, it doesn't look like what Wind Waker ended up looking like at all. So you could... Like, it has, like, has like the same style, but it, everything's flat. There's, there's, It doesn't look like a 3D game. It looks like you're playing a 2D platformer. But it was not very good looking at all. And that's what they decided to show off, you know, their drastic change. And that kind of that's what upset people. Um, was that here, you know, the last two 3D games had, a, had the same style, mm-hmm. and then the, what they showed as a demo was that style, but better, what? and now they changed it up. Speaking of Twilight uh, Princess, they go back to it, and then they go away from it in Skyward Sword, and then, oh, look, Wii U tech demo, that's what everybody wants, and then they give us this. I did look back at, uh, <laughs> if you look on the Nintendo site... Nintendo does it to um, themselves. Stop doing it to yourselves, Nintendo. Around the 17th, I think, we posted an article that was... It's kind of like uh, one of those articles that took a while. It's a slow cooker. You know, we, we were piecing things together over the years, and it's just a collection of the uh, developer images we have of uh, Ocarina. And seeing oh, yeah, I saw that. the original design of Link going back to um, what I would say is what Nate and I know as Link for the most part, and to, to the blonde hero that we all know now, it's like it's such a weird switch to see how they change those kind of things. And it's like. Rem- uh, reminiscent of what Nate was saying with uh, Wind Waker, how it originally looked like a 2D flat kind of experience, and I do remember that uh, somewhat well. Um, I am still... Uh, it's kind of why I'm a little hesitant to say, like, oh, this is exactly what uh, Zelda U is going to look like when I see the the stuff that they've shown us for it, because they've changed yeah, it. Yeah, to that credit, Eiji Inamu himself, you know, the big thing we got from this quote when oh, we yeah. posted about it was, you know, everything is... It's changed. You know, has changed he's, or is extremely better than what you yeah, saw he's, at E3. He's excited. And I was like, what do, what do you mean? Like, you know, we can look at past, you know, how Ocarina of Time changed. Um, Majora's Mask obviously didn't see much change, but uh, the Wind Waker saw some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no idea what Twilight Princess looked like. We don't have any beta screenshots of that. Yeah. Um, We're working available. on it eventually. Um, Skyward Sword, we know, originally started out with Twilight Princess style. Yeah. Um, before that, before that change, so we kind of have, can we can kind of imagine what. And what if you it go to the like. Hyrule story, you can see the uh, what the original characters look like. By the way, yeah. I did have some things. It's funny to go back into that and see uh, what characters could have looked like and what you may or may not like as a result. Like going back in there, I, I I'm sure if any of you have bought purchased the book and you look through it, you'll you you definitely say like, oh, I like this design better than what they chose, and it's kind of funny and sad because. It's it's the same thing where, you know, people want to see a specific style when it comes to Zelda sometimes. They may not realize it, or they may not know I, what I that is what yet. Happened, well, yeah. I think what happened, and, and this arguably, like I know I said maybe, you know, earlier that E.J. Nomu, one of the big criticisms is, I guess, that his games are easier than what the series was back in the 80s and 90s. But um, really, the, 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 the truly biggest criticism, and it's so hard to even call it a criticism because if you're someone like me, I've liked, I've ended up enjoying all the different art styles, so I kind of like that 
every game gives me something new. Um, but that's kind of the, the criticism, is that before Eiji Inomu took over, you could see there was a natural progression in Zelda. Mm-hmm. It was always the same style moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and even yeah. Ocarina of Time, in its 3D-ness, kind of felt like a natural evolution it tr- it's of still, what Link to the Past It still had was. a lot of elements that made it very similar to Link yeah. to the Past. So you could definitely see those things. And we've uh, until about Miyamoto them. stopped running the show... Mm-hmm. Um, everything had a natural progression, and there was a solidified art style, and this is just what Zelda was. And then he comes along, and he's like, I want every game. And he said that in this quote, he wants every game to feel unique in how it, how it's presented visually. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so weird, because that's not what Zelda was for, you know, and that's not really what a, until that's he not, took over. That's really not what a series is, is that, you know, yeah. you have a, a, a uniformity to them. There should be, like, yeah, it should and, be, it's, it's a family. I mean, you, you see two brothers, and usually you see like oh this one and that one they there's a lot of similarities you can see that or you see two sisters and you can see the similarities and aonuma wants to do that thing where you you see two siblings you're like you're you're related (laughs) he wants wants everyone to be i don't think that that's such a bad thing i think okay basically basically what you're saying saying is that that it's it's better if games are like uh gears of war or like mass effect or like halo where basically every game looks very similar to the previous one and nothing really stands on its own mario yeah or pretty much any any franchise of games you can name zelda is the only one that changes art styles every game the only one yeah Yeah. every franchise i think that's actually kind of a cool thing i think that's it's not it's not a bad um, thing we're not I, saying it's bad we're just saying yeah, no, that, uh, I like, a lot of people I like might be turned off by that yeah a lot of people I, I may think be what, too it's it's a lot of change to expect between yeah. one game to the next i, I wrote an editorial about this Bec- well the thing is is that if i go to disney world and suddenly i see scary monsters everywhere i'm going to be a little bit confused well, the because contrast it's not what I go that into. much. It's it's minor I'm, I'm saying, alterations between. I'm exaggerating, obviously. The, wait, to fi- it, it, I I see this as as mostly uh, alterations between uh, what personal expectations are for what the uh, game is going to look like and what it ends up looking that. like. I'm yeah, saying yeah, that uh, uh, I was giving an exaggeration, obviously, to fit it a little bit better to make it more obvious. But people they like to they like to know what they're getting. They like to know what they're getting into, and Zelda does have that thing where every game there's a new mechanic. They do introduce a new element yeah. of gear or item, a new piece of lore, and, basically. Your new and, and I look at it as like if you stick it, if you stick straight to, to the art style discussion, um, I kind of look at it as well. For starters, I'm one of the few Zelda gamers that I do enjoy every art style they've made. Mm-hmm. I love The Wind Waker. I love Twilight Princess. I love Skyward Sword, and I really like what I've seen in Zelda U. Um, so to me, it's like a huge positive. They're like, man, I get this. I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get. It's awesome. It's exciting to me. I don't know what Zelda U is going to look like. But then like you have people like, what new Zelda experience am but, I this But time? then you have people like I, I, But I wrote an editorial about this um, before Zelda U was revealed, you know, and it kind of concluded that, you know, Zelda U would obviously sell the best if it used, like, something similar to the tech demographics. And, and my, my whole reasoning behind that wasn't that, oh, my God, you know, like a Zelda U-style game or a Wind Waker game can't sell. Um, it, it's that... The reason that all these franchises out there stick to how they look. Um, now, they can be major changes. Mario's seen major changes over the year, but a Mario game looks like a Mario game. You can, not... you can go back to an old, uh, first the first Mario game. You can go back to that and then go to the do it the 3D world, and you could still say these are the same series. Yeah, like, I could, yeah. and you see the similarities. It's, it's weird with, with Zelda, obviously, because like, you can look at the Wind Waker, and you could look at Skyward Sword and be like, these are the same, same series. 
they're totally yep. totally different in how they're presented and and obviously as fans we know okay that's link we see the green guard but you know an onlooker might not realize oh that's the same character or whatever yeah uh, the, the but, only thing that really was link that what, the only things that really make link look like link anymore like you could I, this is going to sound a little bit harsh and this is a little bit exaggerated obviously but I, I, you could say that you know the only thing that makes link link anymore like from the from one era to the next is he has a green outfit and he collects rupees that's, that's pretty yeah. much it. And, and everything else has changed in some way. Yeah, and the sword has changed a lot. Yeah, the sword has changed so many times. You have, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you are. Uh, that's, 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 that's a very, that's a very dangerous argument to make. There's a, a sword there's is not a sword. On, uh, <laughs> there's, there's an image on Deviant Art um, of all the different swords in Zelda. There's so and many. You'll see the swords design has even the master sword design has changed drastically. Oh yeah, the wings have gotten wider and like shrunk in and like. Folded in more. Okay, the, 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 the number of people who are sword buffs who actually know the differences between uh, different swords and whatnot are that's pretty me. minuscule compared to the number of people who see I images of video sword, games. I, I would still say that, like, well, I think most longtime Zelda fans could be like the sword, the Master Sword, and yeah. Ocarina of Time does not look like the Master Sword. Was it the cover of uh, Zelda no, 2 that has a rapier swords. on it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So there's there's definitely a difference in, the but but I think the point is okay. We're we're kind of getting a little bit strained there. Like we're talking about the little fine details. Um, like what what I'm talking, well, my editorial kind of concluded was that, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> what what I kind of concluded was that you know I looked at the sales of the series and how it fluctuates, um, and, and I kind of said I think the main problem with Ijiyanomu and the way that he does his Zelda is while I view that all these different art styles are positive, what they do is they disconnect the user base. Um, the reason these other series are around and that Pokemon could still sell 7.7 million in one week like another, it did for Pokemon ORA. Sorry to interrupt, and, but like Sonic, for example, a lot of people... Well, I, I remember yeah. hearing, I think, uh, uh, Aaron, Han- uh, Aaron Hansen, Game Grumps, Raptor, that guy, yep. um, he said that uh, he was he was talking about and this really bring the idea brought the idea to my mind. I don't rem- remember how much he said, but the idea of uh, how Sonic has had so many terrible games for a lot of people. Like some people really like Sonic Colors. A lot of people really hate Sonic Colors. Some people like uh, Sonic the Were Hedgehog. Uh, some people really like it. Some people like Shadow. But they're still the same style. The same art is still there. They may look different. And right. Sonic Boom is like the biggest. Um, departure yeah, the from biggest the, change yeah the fact, biggest yeah. departure we've seen in a while um, with Sonic and people didn't like that outside of the Sonic design change from the originals which yeah. we still hate yeah we still don't know why they did it yeah but, but the, uh, the the fact that you know Sonic has remained who he is he still feels the same he's still like you can look at Sonic back in the day and I would I would say you know this the same attitude the same character is still there that sort of you know embodiment of I guess you would say like a teenager in the 90s. Yeah, well, the base premise yeah. is like <laughs> he was, he was uh, the same. He's the same chili yeah. cheese dog eating kid, yeah, and yeah, that, like, like the base premise was uh, though that though if Zelda picked an art style, like. if Zelda picked an art style and it stuck with it, um, with changes, no matter what, no matter what it does, obviously there'll be upgrades and slight alterations mm-hmm. every time. But like if it's stuck with the Wind Waker art style as an example, um, I have no doubt that by the time we got the Skyward Sword, it would sell significantly more than the Wind Waker sold. Yeah. Um, if it, Twilight Princess, if because it people that style, people can associate that symbol of like, okay, um, that's the character I know. People well, see it, Sonic in the store like, and look they look at s- Nintendo advertising. Look, look at the merchandise. When you go to the stores, 
a lot of the merchandise you get, it either looks like Toon Link stuff, like you can see some, some mm-hmm. Spirit Track figures at uh, at GameStop. I think you can buy for like three bucks, um, or you see Twilight Princess stuff. Yeah, you're not seeing Skyward Sword stuff. You're not seeing Ocarina of Time stuff because there's too many. Before. There's too many art it, styles. It, it, they have yeah, to pick. Like, like Nintendo's picking what they're going to make the face of Legend of Zelda be when they're out. And, and people don't think about this, but marketing isn't just the game. Zelda's a big series. It's a production. It's merchandise. You have to and, make you know, every look, single look at, piece, look at and the, they all cost a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, look at how Link looks in in, um, in Smash Bros. It's a completely different design from everything we've seen, but it's similar enough that you could say, oh, that kind of looks like Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the kind of alterations you could do in a Zelda game and still keep the same feel. And E.G. and Ome was like, no, we want to we want to reinvent the, the visual feel every time. And um, as much as I love that, there's just so uh, so many fans that, that I you know, and I've been in the Zelda community since 1998, doing Zelda websites and talking to people. Um, they've just the biggest thing I see is that people hate that the the art style changes so much that they they start to lose interest in the series. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of look at the fluctuating sales. Ocarina of Time sold well. Majora's Mask didn't. You know, The Wind Waker sold okay, but not that great. Twilight Princess sold phenomenal because it was a similar art style to the previous popular game, which was Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and Although, then Skyward Sword was all so sales. It was based on the fact that they changed a lot of things in the way. Well, Majora's there's a lot of excuses for Majora's Mask, but outside of the change, I would say that I would say the biggest thing is just the feel of it being a lot uh, a spookier tone would be the best way to put it. And by the way, I want a quick interjection because I know someone's going to bring it up in the comments. <laughs> yes, I am aware that Link had gr- pink hair at one point. And no, I'm not ignoring that. But dyeing your hair isn't as big of a deal if you think about it. Anyway. Well, and, and the pink hair thing was just a, a design choice. Yeah. The official art didn't have it as pink. So. Yeah. Yeah, the color palette. Yeah, it had to yeah, do with the limitations. Like yeah, it was it was give him pink hair or lose a lot of colors in other places. And Well, it wasn't even lose yeah. all, it, it was give him pink hair or give him the color he should have and have his head disappear. Yeah, that's what I meant. Bunch of, yeah. Because they can't have Would've that. weird. Yeah, or have the world be oddly the pink. But they said, hey, we don't use pink anywhere in the game, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, you want your yeah, main character it, to stick out. It, so it, it's just one of those... I don't know that it's a bad thing for me, because like I said, I love all the different styles, mm-hmm. but I could see how it might not be the best for the series. Well, we've talked about because, this before, well, because like I... Zelda might always sell 2 million copies, but, you know, Nintendo has often talked about how they want to have sales they want it to always be one of their best selling franchises. They really are well, putting their boot I think behind it really that. comes I think it really comes to the the people, the people who actually like enjoy the games. You know, some people might not like the change, some people really do like the change. Like uh for example that new Star Wars trailer mm, that just came yeah. out. You know how like that one part with the cross guard Which lightsaber Everyone just went nuts. Even though that's like, a thing what what even is though that's this? a thing that's been in the Star Wars universe. Thank you, books. Yeah. But people were just like hating it. Then there's people that were loving it. Like, hey, this guy's not going to get his hand cut off like Luke. But now. then people oh, were like, but know, there's like, metal on the end. Are, but are we going to ignore the controversy over a black stormtrooper? <laughs> 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 hey, that could just be a guy. In a Actually, okay. uh, uh, they say that just because of the, the Clone Wars. Hey, uh, yeah. the thing about I, that, really let me explain because I am a big Star Wars nerd. The reason that that would make sense is that the stormtrooper, the cloning thing, stopped happening after Rebellion on Camino. And also, um, ever since, uh, I guess, episode four, uh, you could say that a lot of those stormtroopers were volunteers or people that went to the academy. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I know, Luke no, himself mentions in the it's movie that 
Luke himself yeah, mentions in the movie that he wants to go to the academy to become a stormtrooper. Sorry, post Adam correction. He actually wanted to join the rebellion like his friend Biggs. Yeah, Sorry. he wants yeah, to become a soldier. Until we see the movie, until we see the the movie, because like the reason it shocks people is it's not explained yet. Like it's yeah. explained in the. Books. I loved that. The movies are kind of like their own yeah. arc. Even and taking away from you know, the uh, from the books, I saw the guy waking up in the middle of uh, Tatooine in the desert in a stormtrooper and he's like panting and he's like covered in sweat and I'm just I was so fascinated I was really interested to see where that was going and I I was like I felt like I was the only one who was so interested in something that was so minor to some people because it was just like like what did he what just happened do? to him where is he coming from why is he why is he like where's his helmet what happened to he just he just he watched the Zelda U trailer that's what <laughs> exactly or maybe he so, uh, so here we go maybe here he go. heard uh, the Final? fact that uh uh, a fox amiibo named Waveshine won third place in the local Smash tournament. Well, here we go. Oh my yeah. gosh, yes. It was entered as a joke. We're going to do this quick. <laughs> We're going to have a final verdict on two things. First off, Adam, did you like the Star Wars trailer or no? Yes. Uh, I Justin, smiled. did you like it? I loved it. And uh, ooh, Paul, did you like it? Did I like the Star Wars trailer? The Star Wars trailer. Well, yep. there hasn't, been, haven't a seen tra- it, there hasn't been a trailer. There's only been a teaser. Yeah, well, that's what trailers are Greg, these days. That, that's what trailers were always supposed to be, were teasers. Honest to God, who's directing No, it? it's okay. It's okay, it's no. Greg, your, your sass you is not appreciated. You can say no, your no one's going to be mad at you, man. Your opinion matters, your sass does not. <laughs> so leave the sass, Hello. say no, Paul. Give us your opinion. It's just a yes or no say answer, no. man. No pressure. I w- I'm I'm honestly kind of indifferent. You could put me down as a sure okay. Who who's directing it? J.J. Abrams. Okay. Uh, what has he done? <laughs> Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek. Anything else? Yeah, he's done a lot of other stuff. stuff. But the I'm thing is that like right now like, it's hard to remember when he's done Star Trek, and that's kind he, of like it blows. Yeah, over that's like the big. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. Star Trek. Uh, but he's been he's been, been a good director for years. years. First, the first Star Trek was uh, was okay. I didn't see the second one because I liked it. I liked, it. I liked the, the second Star Trek. And uh, I don't know. I mean, well, so long as George Lucas isn't directing it, he's only made uh, he's only made two good movies. He's only directed two good movies over the course he's of his only directed entire the first career. Star Wars. He hasn't. He didn't direct the second uh star wars uh episode five and, and he didn't direct six and the thing that you have to remember right the second the, uh episode. episode five was written by the same person who was writing the force awakens Yay! and empire strikes back they episode five empire. is the most popular one in the series and they have that writer back so yes. my hopes for this have gone up considerably especially with what we know for those of you who are interested i don't know if you've Dropped out at this point because we're not talking about Zelda. I'm very sorry. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm plugged in. I, I, I know what. I know, Star but Wars there are people is. at home. Yeah, we're talking about all listeners. I have seen people. Our listeners will be like, "Oh my gosh, you talking about Star Wars? Shut up! I don't know." Yeah. What is Star Wars? Just to make it really quick, uh, from what we know, it's basically going to be they found Luke's lightsaber. lightsaber. Um, if um, you don't know the series, uh, Luke loses his lightsaber at one point, and uh, and now someone has found it. A teaser and that's just the came out, and people already know the synopsis of the. We've known it for months. Okay, okay, put me down as a no. I don't like the trailer because people are so obsessed with this thing already that. Oh no, you haven't heard the obsession. But, what but happened was the is there's here's the deal. No, let me explain. Boss, let me oh, explain let me, the let me, exce- let me, let me explain this obsession really. Hold quick. on, hold on, hold on, Adam. Before you say anything, 
Let me put it this way. Your opinion of something should be based on how other people are reacting to it. Uh, my, my opinion of something is my opinion of something. Mm -hmm. Sure, but it, your, why, your why would your is opinion of your... anything be based on what somebody else says or thinks? <gasps> your opinion because of other thing people can the... ruin something. Anime used to be kind of interesting to me, but then it got so mainstream, and it's like, oh no, god, I'm an otaku. I I like watch all these little little shows and know all oh, these no, names of these hey, obscure hey, characters, and, and I lost like interest. That, it was. Dude, like, I'm big into Arrow and the Walking Dead. Oh, I love Arrow. Anybody else likes that? Honestly, honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of traumatized because I, w I was a fan of Halo for 10 years and then Halo 4 came out and Halo 4 came out simply because there was a fan demand for another Halo game to be made even though Halo 3 ended on a perfectly satisfactory note people were like oh no we gotta have more we gotta have more and I bought into the hype and I bought the game and I was very disappointed with it. And I realized... Are you talking I, about you know, the fact that it's one of the easiest Halo games ever? Actually, oh. no. I'm complaining about the fact that the entire story arc made no sense to me. Because, oh, yeah. heaven oh. forbid, Cardinal Sin, I didn't read the silly books. I had only played oh. all the four previous games. But that wasn't oh. enough for me to understand the plot of this yeah. game. Which really felt pretty insulting uh, for me as a fan and i and i realized yeah there's yeah. some well, there's something that... sometimes franchises have to end and people well, don't that... seem to well, understand well, that. well here's, here's, really a, here's a good example is that or not in in the legend of zelda and they did they do this in zelda and i was sad that they didn't do it in halo in halo there's the time skip which happens um at between three and four and three uh ends about four years before uh halo four and I thought when they said that there was going to be a, se a separation of years, I thought they meant like 50, but they said four, and I was very disappointed. Because in Zelda, what you get is these huge separations between games. Yeah, hundreds of years, yeah. 50 oh, yeah, years, yeah. more than that even. Which I think and is part of the reason why there's such a great. distinct art style for each game. It's, it, here's the thing. I think it's great because you have this, like, this idea of like what the people themselves think. You have this, like, you get this really cool culture out of it where people know the legends of the last hero, the person that you were with the whole time, you saw their journey, and then you see what people know about that journey, and, and you yeah, see how little details deeper. they actually know or remember, or people can actually get to collect from the the things that they've either seen or from the remnants of the battles, like the break, the broken it, shards. To be and I think it's really cool because then you have this no, really yeah. intricate history that, while it's not explained, it's not like fully like laid out for you, the Zelda be timeline fair, being the exception, you know, that yeah, fact to, that to be fair about like Star Wars, um, you know, I know like it could be like, oh, they're just not letting, you know, the sleeping dog lie, not letting the good thing end. But the Star Wars was always planned to be nine movies. Yep. It, yeah. it was actually yeah. that plan that way from the very beginning. Yeah. I don't. Um, that's true. They, that's they never, you know, they, you know, they obviously never got to it, and no one ever knew that, you know, that, that Star Wars Episode Four was going to be as popular as it was to spur in a series. It was started. It started um, out as Star risk. Wars. It just started as yeah. the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. But it, but that, but that particular yeah. script was was always titled Episode Four. They they yeah. they started in the middle. Well, of, because I guess they felt it had the most. George Lucas wrote a lot of intricate notes. In the entirety of Han's backstory from the start of like the writing was yeah. filled out. 
the fact that he yeah. used to be a stormtrooper, the fact that he, how he knew Chewie, everything like that. His entire life was already planned just, out. Just because yeah. these Before they are even planned started. out ahead of time doesn't mean that a movie has to be made out of them. The no. reason, but then you're, the but then reason you're that a movie has to be made out of them is because it'll make money at the box office. Because North well, America, because the, well, that's how because the Western made. world revolves around why, entertainment. Why, why does Zelda you exist? Yeah, why why does Nintendo make, push so hard with money. Zelda right now? No, because, yeah. because it's a very successful franchise, and I and I love it to yeah. pieces. And I'm not saying that you know it's it's like a bad thing that you know uh, people actually actually want to make money. I just see uh, Star Wars as something that's just kind of been milked a little bit too much. I mean, it's to be well, expected. Star Star Wars is not like Halo or like Zelda. Oh. Star Wars is actually part of not. Western culture these days. Star Wars is you can, bigger than bigger than government in a lot of ways. But the fa- the fact that the uh, the series had so many opportunities to just easily milk, like for example, they have characters like Revan and uh, uh, yeah, Kyle. Uh, what's his name? They have. My God, I can't remember his name. I'm very sorry, but there's characters in the New Order that were in the books and in the games in the expanded universe, both past uh, Empire Strikes Back or uh, Return of the Jedi, and before that, like eons before. And they could have easily done those because there were a bunch of popular characters that it could, they could have gone into. They could have gone to characters like Darth Bane, who were like huge, powerful well, Sith see, lords, or it, they could have. I look, I look at it like this, and they like, didn't every, do that because even though that would have been a huge, easy, like quick way to just like okay, just take it, turn it into a script, throw it into a movie, we're done. You know, mm, it would have been actually, a lot quicker. Actually, that they probably spent... would not have been as successful as what Are they're making serious? right now. No, yes, I am very serious. Uh, Dar- Darth they Vader, say Star Wars, um, and then they get and they say Darth Revan. And you have not only the general nobody public interested, knows you have Darth the people Revan that are into- is. The only people who know who Darth Revan is are, that the, doesn't matter. are a handful of million people but who that doesn't matter. The Xbox It doesn't matter that they're doing The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. The, ma- the fact is that they're doing Batman versus Superman. And that's what people care about. They're doing The Dark Knight Returns, which is a story a lot of people like. But they're just but they're doing a Batman movie, which is what more people care about. So they're getting the hardcore fans, and they're getting the general fans who know just Batman as a franchise. Yeah, who know just you're Batman that as point, a franchise, and just know Superman as a franchise, and know those but things I think, as buzzwords. Yeah. And so but let's but that's the thing. You say we're coming out with a full, we're coming out with a full brand new Star Wars movie, not an animated one, but like a full scale movie, and you put you know the name of a major character that only the people who read the books know about. Um, but the, one, the book people are interested from the major character, and two, the general public are interested because it's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's, he's, trying he's trying to say that it would have been a hit regardless because it's a Star Wars. Movie. But yeah. they could have, and they could have done it a lot easier. It's kind of like the next Legend of Zelda game is going to sell over a million copies. They have bestseller books in the Star Wars series that they could have easily turned into movies, and they would have had the great writing there from the start. But they chose to go with basically a new script. They yeah. they've They've it just just wiped clean the slate of anything that wasn't a movie. Yeah, and, and which is fair, a I lot of was, it, which is a, it's a lot of stuff, and I know some people were upset about that. I think it, I think it works well just because I, I believe, and you know, at at the time when the plans were out for the nine movies, you know, I, I think it was just there's all there's so much stuff going on that trying to create a coherent movie series, especially since this mm-hmm. this uh, seventh uh, episode seven takes takes place so far after episode six happened. Um, that 30 Yeah, years. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happened between that obviously. Yeah. But 
you know, I'm not saying that they have. You to can't expect the people who only watch the movies to actually understand any of that. Yeah. So they ha- they have to have episode seven set up and explained in a way that the audience can understand how it's kind of this is what has happened since. Yeah. You know, the Return of the Jedi. I I don't expect them to be like be like okay, Boba Fett becomes leader of the Mandalorians, and then yeah, you have yeah. like they're not, they're not people speaking Mandola and stuff, complex. and just like really nerdy things that are going to be know. super boring to most yeah. people. I did see a potential in having the Jedi Civil War that Revan was a part of, which would be cool because you have a bunch of lightsabers going on, and who doesn't want to see a bunch of lightsabers going on? Well, the thing is, we kind of got that in the Clone War episode, and honestly, people didn't really like it because it was all CG. Well, we didn't like it because it was terrible, but that's besides the point. Well, that's but that's the thing. Do I trust the Clone Wars? Kind of had some had some cool scenes at the end of the movie, uh, which, if you ask me, were just really nice setups for some video games that they wanted to make. And if you and if you really want to make the argument about like movies that are going to be estranged to the audience, um, Marvel has just made it official that Benedict Cumberbatch will, Batch will be playing Doctor Strange, which is oh you don't know who Doctor Strange is? No, I don't so know who most the first pe- person you it, mentioned is the real person, the Benedict Strange. Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch is, is a that? is a well known actor. He played Smog in The Hobbit. He's also known for the show Sherlock. And he's done a, a number of roles in the in the past hey, couple Paul, of years. Paul, he has a really funny looking face. Okay. Yeah. He also I, can't say I, Penguin. I haven't. I saw some. I saw Smaug in the uh, second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw, real question yeah, is, in the second movie. But, this uh, is what I kind of throw out there. And, and this is true of anything, whether it's a movie series, a show. Also, how many people read the Hobbit? Games? Most when, games? when is I did. enough? Enough. I read the Hobbit. Hobbit. Most people like the movies, but most people, like general people, did not read the Hobbit. And so, while core fans were excited because, you know, they read The Hobbit, and it's a great... It's probably my favorite Lord of the Rings book. Um, oh, yeah, I love it. The general public the was just was happy to see Peter Jackson do more of what he did best, yeah. which was make really I, good fantasy movies. I, I, I was... Uh, well, well, okay, what, what he does best. Now, this is, this is not what he has done traditionally. My understanding is that uh, Peter Jackson's uh, career has mostly revolved around little niche uh, horror movies or something like that. Actually, you know, I I, prob- I retract that. I don't know enough about well, yeah, yeah, so it's prior to saying that. I think it's what he's popular. I think it is a good well, thing that they uh, that they brought him uh, back to make uh, the Hobbit movies. I think it's quite a shame that they are they are padding out a 150 page book into three entire movies. The same way that I think well, that it's yeah. really Thank a shame you. they well, made, they go, had to well, yeah. if you go the into final the movie of Harry Potter into a part one you and part two. The same thing. Three, they did you have to remember that the by, the, by 100 a pages in, so much happens in the Hobbit, and uh, and all <laughs> of it is make, plot right? relevant. That that you, if you've tried to fit the entirety of that book into one movie, and I think this is the is the barrel scene in the second Hobbit movie pertinent to the book? Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes. The thing where they're fighting all the orcs and Legolas comes yes. in Paul, just because Paul, so that Paul. they. I I don't buy Paul, that. Ba- I don't buy that. I think I think, I, th- I I think in the cases like the Hobbit, the the, the Hobbit book. Here's a better question to get us back on movie. topic of Zelda, Paul. What? Is Zelda really necessary for the Legend of Zelda? Uh, what Zelda the character? Yeah, as a character, yes, she's necessary. Yes. No, I, in, no, in your I mindset, don't, I don't no, think so, no, because she's because she's just a person that happens to be the reason. Like, what you're looking at is you're taking out the reasoning behind why people do things, and I think that 
you could say, yeah, the barrel scene is technically not necessary, but in a way it is because it's part because of what they have to pad out the movie so they can make three movies instead. I love the barrel scene. Barrel scene. Justin wants to get in here. I felt the second. I'm sorry, but the barrel scene was actually the barrel scene was in the book. Yeah, yeah, it was in the book. Stretched out. They stretched the mo- the book into three movies, so yeah. there's a lot of the book in all three of the movies, but they did not need to put it into three movies. They could have just left it as two movies, yeah, at I, most. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't say saying, I wouldn't say one movie. Would I'm gonna fit go the ahead Hobbit, and though. say I don't like this I, female. I do not like this female elf girl. I don't know who she is. Yeah. I don't know why she's going for the one dwarf who has like the good looking face. I like, what about the other guy? Yeah, I think dwarf. Well, then you can say the question is like, why did why did uh, J.R.R. Token have thirteen dwarves when he well, when he didn't bother fleshing them out? But he and wrote I think that. made That's everyone book, happy. Though. Yeah, but if he didn't. But he didn't bother fleshing them out. The book. Okay, so what I think would have made all Hobbit fans happy, but you know, you have the fans of Lord of the Rings who just saw the movies and only care about the movies, and that's fine. And you have the people who read the Hobbit, you know, who wanted to actually see it as a movie, which is fine. Um, I, I think what they should have done is not even, like, have a part one and part two or, you know, what they did by breaking up into three parts. They should have just bit the bullet and pulled the Titanic. Titanic was a three-hour-plus long movie. It had an intermission in it, mm-hmm. and it became one of the highest... At the time, it was the highest-grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Well, they could have did that with The Hobbit. They could have just well, said, you know what? A, yeah, we're we're going to pull stretch, the unprecedented, yeah, I think make they it have a full... Well, we're seeing yeah, a little bit and of... That a, been, we're seeing a little you know, bit of... Towards that mindset, we're seeing a little bit of a more of a... Over the past couple of years, especially, there was a. I remember very, very well a time where a three-hour movie was considered a ludicrous idea. Oh and yeah. Now that's almost yeah. the norm. Yeah, it's it, 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 a lot of that's thanks to Titanic. Well, I would no. It's more thanks to Watchmen. I would say Titanic was the first one to really do it. Yeah, but Titanic but, was, the, was. But the Watchmen was the first that. one where people were like, "Is this going to be a thing? Is this yeah, possible? Watchmen, Is this going to sell well?" And Watchmen did sell well enough to. To make it so that people were like, okay, people are willing to go see a three-hour film. Well, I, I don't think Watchmen. Watchmen itself really wasn't that popular. No, um, but like, like I'm talking about, like you have Titanic that was the box office record holder as a three-hour movie. Yeah, um, it was obviously shown that people are willing to sit through a three-hour movie. No, but I'm saying that uh, people would. S- <laughs> How do I put this? Is it wasn't really brought back in, into the picture until Watchmen came out. Well, no, and even now, you look at now. There, there isn't a lot of three hours. You, you have um, ones that push. Two it's hours, not uncommon for a two and a half. Two and a half seems to be the cutoff. There's not a lot of three hours. Yeah, but you could argue with about release, a three hour. If if you've you been know. keeping up with new movie news, and I, I doubt most, I doubt most of you have, just because this is just weird, weird little factoids. But Quentin Tarantino is planning on releasing the whole damn thing, which is all the Kill Bill movies put together, mm-hmm. which is both movies, and they're both around three hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that's what I'm kind of saying. I think the Hobbit would have worked better since I, the Hobbit would have worked better as like a single experience like that that they just hyped the crap out of and said, "Hey, look, we crammed the whole book into one movie, and yeah, it's like three and a half hours, but you know what? You're gonna watch it and you're gonna love it." Yeah, I, and yeah, we'll, we'll put a little ten minute intermission in so you can refill well, your popcorn. Well, here's the thing: is that it's but, it's not that they it's not that. Yes, I would say that part of the reason is obviously for money, but I would also say well, that I do, that's gen- the main reason I do I think genuinely it's believe that the reason that Peter Jackson was so interested in doing it was because 
as he said, he's a big fan and he wants to put as much... He loves this universe and he loves these characters. And that's the reason why he went to the Silmarillion and the other lore books. And the Silmarillion is boring. Never read it. Don't ever read it. It's the most boring piece of text <laughs> have, you'll ever I've read. I've tried to life. read it and that's it is, true. <laughs> it is a computer manual, but for fantasy. And <laughs> you will fall asleep on it. And you'll wake up and, and Admittedly, and go, it was patched together so, from, you know, no, not from Tolkien, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree that it wasn't it wasn't a written format. It wasn't meant to be read. So do we do we have any more fan topics this week? Um, one more that I would like to get back into, and yeah, it, it kind of has to do with the fact that we keep out. arguing about things back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and you know we keep saying you know things we do like, things we don't like. But you know, uh, we did talk about this a little bit last week, and uh, one of our lovely fans, Jacob. Hey, Jacob, thanks for writing in. Um, he said in honor of Thanksgiving which was last week, so you know, a little bit late, but who cares, Zelda Informer. Uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, which Zelda game are you most thankful for? For me, it's Wind Waker, and as it was my first Zelda game to play, and my personal favorite. Thanks, and keep up the awesome work. Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. That was really nice to hear from you. I really like to hear fan support. But um, let's get into it. Let's get into the topic, the last fan topic of today, because uh, yeah, we have to start wrapping up a little bit. All right, well, um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm going to say my favorite game, uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. You sure it's not Tingle's Adventure? Uh, you know, those Tingle's games, the, uh, Rosie Rupee Land and Balloon Fight or whatever, those games are awesome. I don't know if you guys have ever played them, but they're actually really, really good games. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't come out in the United States because apparently we hate Tingle. Boss approved. <laughs> but, but, uh, that's besides the point. No, I'm really thankful for Zelda 2. Uh, it, it did a lot of things for me. I mean, uh, for starters, uh, a lot of the staples we know in the series started in Zelda 2. Um, the having to collect three different items or three dungeon thing, that all started in Zelda 2. Towns, um, Kakariko Village, that started in Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Um, magic started in Zelda 2. Uh, combat that was more than just swinging your sword in a circle started in Zelda 2. Um, but, and things I really appreciated about it that make me thankful is that it also showed that Nintendo wasn't afraid to experiment with Zelda. Um, they were willing to take big risks. And, I, and one thing I liked about Zelda 2 was that it was the kind of big risk I wish they would take. Um, the risks they take today, you know, we've been talking all podcasts about it, but, you know, they take a risk with the art style, or they take a risk with a new mechanic like motion controls, or, um, you know, the Silent Realm, or something like that. Zelda 2, as a game, the entire game was a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, they... they took everything that Zelda was in Zelda 1 and kept it, and it completely changed how Zelda plays. And that is amazing. Um, and it sold really, really well. Um, you know, why it sold well is always up for debate. You know, did it sell well because the first one sell, sold well? Um, you know, it's not like people didn't know what this game was before well, the they bought is, it. the thing is, is you have to question, was it the initial sales that made it? Uh, was it the initial sales or was it overall? Because uh, oh. the in, the initial it sold six million, so wow, it it's one of the top selling. So games I would I would still say that it's it's because the game was good and that yeah, and, and, and combined with the fact know, that it was a sequel to a good the, game. The, 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 uh, the art the art on the back of the box clearly showed that the game was not uh, not like the first game, like it was two D side scrolling. Mm-hmm. But people were still um, interested. But, yeah, but but bottom line is it sold really really well and it did sell well because it's a bad game. Yeah. Uh, so by today's standards, people don't like it because, you know, why it's really hard. But it's back in the day, Zelda 2 wasn't really wasn't any more difficult than any other NES game. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think people today don't understand just how hard 
those NES games were. I mean, well, they, if you want an easier NES game, and, and this is really stretching it to say it's easy, go back and play any of the original Mega Man games. Oh, yeah. NES. Mega Man is... Um, oh, I own them all. Own them all. They, they are very difficult, but people played the crap out well, of them. Well, the reason that they, they were so difficult, and it's not to say that this is an excuse, but the reason no. that games were difficult back in the days is because they were a lot shorter, and so to make yep. them last longer, you would make them harder. So that there was also there's also the whole console limitations. You can only do so much. Yeah. So you kind of you know you can only move left and right and jump up and down. Yeah. Um, so you were you limited know, and, and, from the start. And and that's true in Zelda too. And that you know that's probably the biggest criticism is oh you can only attack high or attack low or attack in the middle. But you can, you can attack and you can attack in two different directions. But, and but downstab. then you think about that's it. Crazy. You think but you think about it. In the original Zelda, you could just slash forward. Yeah. That was it. And shoot a beam. <laughs> And you could do all that in Zelda 2 and then a whole bunch of stuff. Like, a lot of the combat that we see in it, like, th- think about that down that downward strike. That's, that's like Zelda 2. That's, that's from Zelda 2, yeah. and that's been in a lot and of And I really Zelda do games. love the the top, the um, up and down sort of, uh, you know, yeah. high strike and low strike it, and in Zelda 2. what's really cool is, is the specific down strike animation from Zelda 2. Um, people probably better know it as the down strike move in Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's the exact same animation, and that came from Zelda 2. Yeah. They, I don't think they've reused that specific animation in any other game. Besides Twilight Princess, I think there was a final strike. Where, uh, where there's been, final well, there's been a final Waker strike Link. in uh, Twilight Princess, in Skyward Sword, and in Wind Waker. I think it's kind Wind of the yeah. of the series now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just wasn't in Ocarina of Time. It's like, but um, yeah. but it, it, it's one of those... Uh, a lot of people hate the game, and I think it's just because they didn't grow up in the era it came out to understand that it really wasn't any more difficult than any other game. Like, the, the original Legend of Zelda, you know, that's a hard game. Um, and it might not be as hard as Zelda 2 because of how the mechanics are slightly easier, but it, it's just one of those... There's a lot of today's gamers that they've never played The Legend of Zelda. If they pick it up, they're probably going to die within the first five minutes of playing the game. Yeah, I think, um, someone, and, in the, uh, I think someone in the staff said they died... 999 diamonds in the length of the past? Well, and you think about it. It, it. The game doesn't tell you to go in that cave and get the sword. So, like, if you're like, oh, well, there's that cave there, but let me go up quick, you're going to yeah. die. Um, I mean, it, and that's kind of the beauty of the original game, but Zelda 2, you know, it had a story. Now, granted, the story um, the story was in the manual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and that's one thing I really appreciate from Zelda 2, and really any old Zelda games, is that the manuals actually meant something. They weren't just, here's your controls, or Here's you know your user agreement or whatever. It's it actually meant something to the game, uh, and, and you know a lot of that was obviously the limitations of the of the console. They couldn't put all that story in the game, but I don't know. I, I really just appreciate Zelda two, and I, I kind of wish that it was a sign that Nintendo was more willing to do that. Um, but you know, as a link to the past kind of proved, you know, they went back to they they kind of took the best elements of Zelda two and then put it back into the original format. Um, Further to the past, but yeah. I don't know. Zelda, Zelda 2 is great. I wish they would be um, if they're going to experiment. I wish they would go to that extreme again. So that's what I'm thankful for. I'm personally thankful for. If you can't guess it already, then you haven't listened to this podcast before. But uh, I'm really thankful for a Link to the Past because I say I would say that what it contributed to the series was the definitive puzzle. Because a Link, uh, Legend of Zelda, the first game, had similar. Um, like ideas with puzzling, but it never really went to the same level of depth that you get to in Link to the Past, and you didn't get the same amount of story as you do in Link to the Past, which is, that's like the first Zelda game that the story is there, and while it's not important 
for why you're doing these things. You get the sense of purpose, and you still get... Well, it was kind of the first game that had the story within the game. Because mm-hmm. um, the first Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2 did actually have stories. You just it's, weren't going to find it in the it's game. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, Zelda, what Zelda 1 was, what Zelda 2 is, what Link to the Past is, and then Ocarina is. And those are the four games that start the series. Right. And it's just... Ocarina of Time was the fifth game. Was it? Oh. Yeah, Link's Awakening. I'm, yeah, I was forgetting Link's Awakening. Oh my gosh, Link's Awakening. <laughs> oh my god, it's such a good game. Yeah, but such you have these game. great... Oh. You have these right, great sorry. games that are... Adam's, Adam's turn. <laughs> they're different, but they all contribute something really significant to the game. Mm-hmm. As like a as a series, they all contribute something that's very important, and definitely like like Nate was saying that there's this classic kind of, um, I'm sorry, I forget how you said it exactly in Zelda Two, um, what it contributed, the uh, help me out here. Ah. Exactly what you're referring to, so <laughs> <laughs> not inside your head to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but no, um, I, I, what I think is great, um, especially in like the first five games, and this is probably why you know the series kept growing in popularity. Well, I don't want to say grow; it kind of got popular and stayed that way for so long um, until really until Majora's Mask came out was when we started seeing a true dip. Mm-hmm. Um, was that like those first five games? And you know, I don't know, you know, if this is going to be what everyone's thankful for is one of these first five games. But um, did they all added something to the universe, and they all. Um, did something with it. They, they didn't try to copy the predecessor necessarily. Like, A Link to the yeah. Past, as I said, it was its own game because it took the best elements from Zelda 2 and then combined it with the best elements from the original Zelda. And yep. then, on top of all of that, it took what the previous two games could not do and put the story within and the make game. It look, which made, and made it, it look, made it look a lot more... What? Detailed. You got yeah. a vivid. Vim- yeah. Well. Yeah. And that's that's the benefit. It was on a new console. Yeah. So, I know. But I'm just you saying. Know, you could do uh, more. But like that's but, same. You know, and then you look at Link's Awakening. The, uh, you know, Link's Awakening was a proving ground that Z- that that experience from a Link to the Past can be had on the go, mm-hmm. and yeah. it took place in a completely new world and with a new story. And yeah, you know, it sucked that spoiler warning. It was all a dream. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those. When have we ever had a Zelda game like that? It was so unique and so cool, and Zelda wasn't in it, and it was like, what is this game? All these unique characters. It, w- it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Ocarina of Time happened, and obviously we all know, and you know, yeah, that kind of built on what was already pre-established, but it brought it to a new perspective. Like what I said earlier and, with, uh, this is you know, a little bit off topic. That's so great about those games. But it's like what I said earlier with Link's Awakening being this strange dream that Link has, how the games have this really... They have a lot of depth to them that you never really think, take into account. The fact that, like, Link's Awakening, in in a way, is um, an exploration as to what the psychological effects of going on these sort of journeys will do to someone. Yeah. What he basically is now trapped in this mindset of, like, always adventuring, always dungeoneering, always exploring, that. always meeting these new scenarios, and he's stuck. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? What got him into that state is totally believable. Yeah, he's at he's at a float in the sea, not just at the beginning of the game. That's what he actually is at the end of the game. He was dreaming the whole time. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's a uh, he's delirious. You know, if you think about right? if you look about a lot of the, a lot of the same movies out there that you know people stranded on an island, it's kind of the same premise. Link is stranded, and he's kind of he, you know you could argue he's dying. He's um, dehydrated. He's out there he's floating. Delirious. Out, you know. Yeah, like he's he's in a mental state where he's gonna start going crazy. And yeah, and and the windfish just flies over him like, haha, I'm gonna leave you there. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's crazy, and I don't know, just 
th- those first five games just did so good mm-hmm. in terms of evolving, I guess, uh, what Zelda could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have any criticism about any of the the new games since then, um, I guess Majora's Mask did a good job evolving um, into something different too with what it had. It was but, it uh, took it took what was like the problem with 3D taking the puzzles from things like Link to the Past and Legend of Zelda and made it its own. Yeah. By making these new kind of puzzles that worked really well for the yeah. medium. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think and just like the newer games, too many of them just work. Mm-hmm. Um, right. uh, they're still based off of Ocarina of Time, basically. And that's why okay. I'm really excited for, and I'm really thankful for, most of all, I'm thankful for A Link Between Worlds. Because it shows that Nintendo remembers where they got their start with Zelda, where what those things that made Zelda so popular. Yeah, my, my only criticism with A Link Between Worlds... And um, I love I love the game. Um, I think I thought you, the wall mechanic and everything was great. So go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually did a boss man episode on that mm-hmm. about how was other criticisms and other form of love. Yeah, no, definitely. No, uh, if, you, if you don't love something, plug, you'll never you can take get the, the link to, to that below. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I just a link between worlds was, was amazing. But the reason that it was amazing to me almost surprised me. Um, it was amazing because it reminded me of the games that I've used to play. Like it was, it was a really good game in its own right. But what made it good to me are the same things that like made a link to the past good. And while that's wonderful and everything, it also means a link between worlds didn't do it anything to really make it its own game. Right. It was still, it felt like an old school game, but it felt like an old school game I played before. Mm-hmm. There's more and, of a nostalgia game for you. Yeah, and and obviously for new Zelda gamers, it's going to feel like a you know a great experience, and that's great. They're going to experience what I did when I was a kid, and maybe that was the point. But you know, I kind of look at it as as great as the game as it was, it still it didn't advance the series. It just said, well, here's what the series used to be, and we're going to throw it out to you in a game. Well, I think um, it was not I think really it, was, it was Nintendo's kind of way of. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that this is totally accurate, but. It was unintentionally kind of a test to see if we were able to tolerate that kind of game. If Zelda fans were still going to be okay with that kind of thing. Were they able to once again go back to that style? Or had they gone too far, if you understand? Not like, oh, they screwed up, but had they departed too far from that to still be with their fans on that sort of game? And and, and by all means, I think, um, and EGNO has put this in several quotes over the years, um, how like every game's kind of an experiment for the next game. Mm-hmm. And we know that Zelda U was in development, obviously, while Link Between Worlds was in the Wind Waker HD. Um, and obviously we know how the Wind Waker HD, what experiments they did in that. But I, even on Link Between Worlds, um, you know, he's commenting on how, like, the item system and not having items in dungeons and um, Which makes the speed sense. of the game. It makes the, the, more the, sense in-game. The, the erratic and sporadic combat. Like, if you think about it, the combat in Link Between Worlds is a lot like the old games. There's enemies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to kick their butts, and when you're on the harder difficulty, they can kick your butt. Um, and you know there's a difficulty change oh, between normal high rule and low rule. Um, but then, you know, then you get to the Zelda U reveal, and you know what's the very first thing we see after he's done talking? It's an enemy coming to kick your ass. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that might have been a direct result of like, hey, we we went we went into Link Between Worlds. We saw if people liked having enemies in the overworld fighting them all the time mm-hmm. and people did and so now i think they might be kind of kind of i don't want to say ever went away but it pretty much went away all the enemies in the overworld and the 3d games you can just skip yeah um yeah and, and the, uh, that, the enemy i saw in zelda u it didn't look like i could just skip him um 
Oh, no. It looked like he was going to kick my ass if I didn't kick his. So. Yeah, you had to fight. <laughs> it was like, yeah. there was a reason for fighting. It wasn't that, you yeah. know, just because... And like, I think A Link Between Worlds might have, you know, if its greatest achievement is kind of proving that, yeah, there's still people that like that, and we can do that kind of thing. Um, a thing that really hasn't been done with a 3D game, I'd say, because I don't even think Ocarina of Time was like that. Um, probably the only enemy was, what? what is that, those P-hats or wherever they were? Yeah. Um, the zombies? Because, like, if you ignored them and you were running and didn't have your horse, like, God, they'd kick your ass. What about the re-deads? No, the re-deads. Yeah, but, yeah, but you want yeah, hugs. Well, yeah, I suppose. When I first played it, I yeah. guess they caught me a lot. I'm I, not I, thankful for re-deads. I, I can <laughs> run away from them now, but um, back then, I, I remember it was very difficult. I couldn't figure out that, oh, it's when they're looking at me that's the problem. <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time. I just, like, tried to run by them and all crap. Oh, now they're humping me. What is going on? Get off me. <laughs> no, oh, I don't want That was really cool. Between, <laughs> between you uh, you guys and me, I think the Redeads and Wind Waker were more scary. Yeah, they they were... They were pretty spooky. You know, I think that the thing that spooked me the most about the Redeads was their artwork in the uh, official player's guide. Those things look creepy as... Yeah. Oh. What, was, what? what are you thank, thankful for, though? I, I, we know you're not thankful for Redeads, but what are you thankful for? <laughs> uh, as, as far as Zelda games go, uh, I've uh, had a while to uh, think about this, and uh, I, a part of me wants to say that I'm the most thankful for uh, Ocarina of Time because that introduced me to uh, the Legend of Zelda series, but I, having thought about it a little bit more, I think that the game that I'm most thankful for has to be the Wind Waker, because this was a game, uh, and I, I, I go along with a lot of the uh, sentiment that we even talked about earlier in this podcast about how people felt uh, betrayed when they saw you, you know uh, Wind Waker initially, and it's like, oh, we were expecting this more realistic style, and instead, you know, we get this. Uh, we don't just get a more cartoony looking Link. We get the young Link. We, uh, I wanted the to play as the adult Link. I wanted to play as the you know the stronger, tougher, grittier, macho uh, Link. And Not macho. He's like a teenager. Well, yeah, well, no, he, he's he's pretty macho. He in 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 Ocarina of Time is his adult form, or at least that, that's the way that he was perceived as being. And, and there's an ar- argument to be made there. And and I'm actually going to be uh, spoiler alert. I'm going to be going over this hopefully in a uh, feature article uh, some at some point in the near future. Uh, but u- ultimately, uh, the Wind Waker made me. Uh, I I put uh, Link up on a pedestal. Uh, earlier on in my in my life, as like you know this this ideal and individual to be somebody to look up to, and it, it was like he was getting uh, molested all of a sudden and twisted into something that he wasn't, something much less noble than I thought of him as uh, in The Wind Waker, and I felt betrayed by that. But then I actually did eventually purchase the game because you know I'm it, I'm so plugged into the Nintendo stuff. Nintendo was my world at the time, and looking back on it now, I realize god i love i love that game so much and it because it was it was a truly genuinely good game in in fact i would i would argue that it's probably oh god it it, it honestly is one of the games that makes me want to go out there and actually buy a wii u just so that i can get the remake of that game because i hate myself for selling it years ago uh my gamecube died uh, many many years ago it's a long long story but 
Uh, but I'm not thankful, I'm not thankful for, that. for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not thankful for that either. Uh, but the wind, the wind waker made me realize that Link doesn't have to be this walking stereotype of macho hyper masculinity uh, starring in a power fantasy game that plays out like Call of Duty with swords. Uh, Wind Waker made me realize that Zelda is about exploring not just dungeons, but worlds and characters and towns and entire communities. And enjoying a game with a less gritty art style doesn't threaten my heterosexuality or my delicate male ego. And it was a game that I really felt betrayed by initially, but after I got it and I played it, I really enjoyed it, and I, you know, came to really love it. And looking back on it now, you know, years and years later, I realized that it made me grow more as an individual and uh, give me a different perspective on things, because it's, it's still a great game. And it was a great game, uh, despite all the negative ex- expectations that I had for it. And Yeah, so you were one of those people that initially... You you were kind of what you know people you know talk about oh the Zelda cycle with fans you you basically exemplify the Zelda cycle you didn't like you dismissed the game and didn't want to buy it and then you later gave it a chance and then you loved it yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah exactly what the Zelda yeah. cycle is I, um, uh, I don't I don't know that, that's mean. not a bad thing I'm just saying that you know I don't know what you mean by the that's Zelda great cycle. I'm glad I'm glad you were able to kind of tear down that initial wall and give the game a chance oh yeah 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 I am thankful for that yeah you think yes sir you're thankful for what <laughs> I am Stated. thankful for him being happy with Wind Wicker so you're the most thankful for Paul that and CDI Zelda Oh, All right, I think that's a good time. I think that's a good time as any to end it. I think uh, I think we uh, I think we're done. I think we're done here. Or, uh, <laughs> can, can I just say we're probably all most thankful for Shigeru Miyamoto because without him we wouldn't be here. Who? Shigeru Miyamoto. Who? You know that, that guy. News. Yeah, he, he's been in the news, man. Who? Been in the news. He's also he's not much news, of a hardcore man. gamer, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like no, without without him, you know, we we wouldn't be here talking about all the what we're thankful for. So it's. You know, and you could argue without Nintendo, and I don't know. It's just got kind of crazy thinking about how we all ended up where we are now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But great, uh, great I podcast. Think a, I think that's a. <laughs> I think that's a good t- time as I need to end things. Um, I want to thank you all for joining me today for the discussion. Uh, it was a pretty good discussion. Uh, we may have to cut some material out just for time's sake. I don't know. We'll see. If there's a bonus Wednesday episode next week, you'll know. If not, eh. Um, bonus episode on just Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars awesome. oh, boy. I actually had a bonus episode this week, but I wasn't able to do it because of time constraints. Um, maybe I'll release that later if you guys really want me to. Post in the comments below if you want that bonus episode released. Um, it's about uh, Lake Hylia. Um, thank you so much oh, for joining me, guys. Thank you yes. for listening. Um, <laughs> if you want to be a part of the podcast, you want to be part of our team, our family, uh, be sure to email us at ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. That's ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. The link is in the description below. Um, send us an email with your topics, uh, your name, preferably, so that we can, you know, give you a shout out. Um, uh, anything that you want to add, any cover art you may do, uh, theme song submissions, anything like that, be sure to send it to us. We love to get it. We love to listen from you guys. Um, once again, thanks for joining me. I had a lot of fun. Hope you guys did too. Lucky episode number thirteen. You know, hopefully everything doesn't crash and burn. <laughs> ah. All right. You guys wanna? You guys can say goodbye. Maybe I don't know. Laugh track. Okay. Hey, bye. Bye. Been great. Take care, everybody. (laughs) You're...
It's been fun. That episode was terrible. <laughs>